So, Father's Day. I was thinking about my dad. Most of you know that I give my dad great grief because <laughs> I kind of am that way, unfortunately, for my pops. But, you know, if I have been fortunate enough, and when I talk to you guys, I know that it is a rarity. In today's world, um, we at times isolate the fact that our, 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 our dads um, make a good impact in our lives. A lot of us confuse fatherhood with a biological act. And for those of us that have been raised by a man who has godly values, who teaches you how to work, who teaches you what it is to, to love a spouse well and to take care of your kids, uh, you begin to realize just how blessed we are. And, and, and for me, personally, as I talk to you guys, I know what a rarity that is. And so like when the pastor gets to talk about Father's Day, I realize that it shows how much society's changed. 20 years ago, it would have been something that's accepted. And now it's like, don't talk to me about dads because my dad X, Y, or Z. And yet this morning, we want to talk about fathers because fathers gives us his perspective of God, a perspective. And it is a, it is a legit um, perspective. We know that moms and dads are different. Can I get it? Amen. Right? Okay. Moms are gentle and caring and loving, and they are always worried about transportation safety. <laughs> what is that next? Dads, figure out. How many dads have ever done this? Right? When I had two kids, I used to see how long I could hold them both upside down. And I would, dads worry about how long you can hold them upside down until they pass out. <laughs> Moms share food. They're gentle. They're always worried about a child's nutrition. And, and uh, just take care of them. Dads use a kid for a five-second rule. <laughs> Everything's free game for a dad. If you feed a kid that you can eat, then it's good. Moms work on motor skills, always positioning and trying to, to advance. Dads just work on motors. <laughs> now, I wish I could say that I couldn't picture myself doing that, but yeah, I could probably figure out doing that. Dads are more creative, believe in self-expression. <laughs> and dads have a tendency to be able to teach a kid how to drive. I think that was me on the front when I taught mine. How many dads got to teach their kids how to drive? Okay, how many dads are waiting for the opportunity to teach your kids how to drive? God bless you guys. <laughs> you stress out now, man, you just wait till that... That dude turns the key on for the first time and doesn't look when he's backing up. And you're like, oh, God. If you're not saved, you might want to begin to pray uh, for, for that beforehand. This morning, we're going to look at the prodigal son. It's in Luke 15. And, and normally, when we begin to look at the prodigal, we start with verse 11. And the story starts and goes through verse 34. And yet, when we study Scripture... Right, it does good for us to understand the context of why it was written and what drove it. 
A lot of times when we, we look at sections of scripture, we, we just camp in, in, in a specific story or a specific section. Well, this morning, we're going to look a little bit back in chapter, or same chapter, but in verse 1. And we're going to get a glimpse of why Jesus tells this story of the prodigal. And the other thing that we're going to see that I want you guys to understand as we look is that when we look at the actions of Jesus, we see the nature of the Father. Does that make sense? When we see Jesus talking and hanging and, and, and being with a certain amount of people, when we listen to his words, when we see his interaction with kids, we see the heart of the Father. And the reason we know that, that Jesus reveals the Father, in John 5, 19, it says, Jesus explains, I tell you the truth, that the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. So when we look at Jesus, we see, we see God, and whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And so Jesus tells this story. And it begins in verse 1 of chapter 15. And in verse 1, it says, the, the Luke writes, it says, Jesus would hang with tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Everybody say the word notorious. notorious. I love that word. You have to look at some of the sections. In like English Standard Version, it doesn't say notorious but in, I think it's the message of new living, it uses the word notorious. Jesus hung with tax collectors and other notorious sinners. The word notorious means scandalous. It means questionable. It means disreputable, infamous, and shameful. Got to remember those words. Scandalous, questionable, disreputable, infamous, and shameful. You see, Jesus, throughout his earthly ministry, hung out with notorious people. People that were a little rough around the edges, people that didn't have the greatest of reputations, people that the other groups looked at. It says in, in the next verse, it says, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people or notorious people even eating with them. And I thought about that verse quite a bit and I thought about this morning a lot. And even as I was preparing this week, I felt like I needed to stop just here for a moment. It says, Jesus hung out with a notorious, shameful, disreputable, bad reputation, fuzzy around the edges, kind of rough, kind of guys that you would not, or women that you'd not bring home to mom or dad. It was the kind of people that, that, that left a mark on life. And it says that Jesus hung with them, and it says, yet the religious leaders of the day, Jesus, God the Father, was comfortable in hanging with those kind of people. And yet the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and Sadducees, had trouble with that because they actually complained. Like, why are you doing this? You're a teacher. You're a holy man. You're a righteous guy. And yet you're hanging with these kind of people. And, and I stopped and went, what does that say about God's love? You see, God's love is notorious. It's scandalous. You see, religious leaders of the day want to control. Just like today, back then, if you're a religious person, the idea that a guy stands up with a mic and say, God's love scandalous kind of gets kind of problematic. 
Like, what do you mean it's scandalous? He's God. He's holy. He's righteous. He's distant. He's set apart. And yet he hangs with tax collectors and sinners. And when we look at that idea, and when we look at the idea of, of what is a father's love, father's love is first and foremost. It's scandalous. You see, a religious person will say, no, that's not acceptable, because a religious person wants to control and dictate who gets to receive what they feel like they've earned. And yet, you know that a father's love if you've ever been a dad when you hold a little baby for the first time, and I've been blessed to do it twice, when you hold your child for the first time, that child can't do anything. Right? Even, even at like three months, what is that kid? What do we celebrate as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and friends? Oh my God, they open their eyes. Look at them, they're opening their eyes. And then we kid ourselves into believing that they're actually smiling when they're filling their diaper. <laughs> like, look at that. That's the best thing. Oh. A father will give his love unconditionally to a child. A God will give his love unconditionally to his creation. And this morning, before we, before we get... started, I think that God wants to tell some of you just that. If you're here and you didn't expect to be here, I, I, there was something that as I prayed for this morning, I was like, man, there's somebody here or a couple people here that have such a difficulty believing that God would love and want to be with and hang with the likes of you. And yet we read in verse 1 that Jesus himself hung with tax collectors and sinners and notorious people. And so if you're here and you're wondering why you're here and you're wondering why God would talk to someone like you, it's because his love is scandalous. You see, Father God's love looks at you and it's like, man, I love you. I want to be with you. I want to be here for you. And no matter what the world tells you about yourself, whether you've been in churches that point their fingers at you, whether you look at life and you're like, I don't fit here, it doesn't really matter what other persons say because Creator God, Father, Creator of the entire universe looks and goes, man, I love you. And that, my friends, is scandalous. Because we want to control the depth and breadth and the giving of the love that God has for humanity. And yet God measures himself and, and, and models himself in the actions of Jesus. And Jesus hangs with everybody. He hangs with me at my worst. He hangs with Frank at his best. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, now that's a... <laughs> you see, it's scandalous because it knows no bounds. It doesn't wait till my wife becomes perfect to engage her. It doesn't just love Drew when he's playing and, and doing a lick on a guitar. 
It, does, it, it loves a little kid who loves a mic and a little girl who's shy. He loves us who have lived a semi-clean life and loves us who have lived lives that we are ashamed of. He loves us because it's scandalous. And the religious get upset with that because they want to control that. And yet this morning, I want to remind you that this church serves a God who loves humanity. No matter where you've been, no matter where you come from, he died for you, sent his son to die for you. And there, it says the religious leaders got shook up by that. And he's like, look, man, let me tell you two stories. And so he tells a story of a shepherd leaving 99 to pursue the one. And then he tells a second story or parable of a woman losing a coin, tearing apart the house and wouldn't stop until she finds it. You see, this scandalous love is, is crazy to humanity's eyes because it is always in pursuit of the one that he values. That no matter where you're at, no matter where you be, no matter where you find yourself, no matter the doubts that go through your head, God continually pursues you to enter into relationship with him. And that makes no sense to us. It's like, why should God do all these things? Because his love is scandalous. He will pursue us to the ends and he will say, and I'm just, I'm going to find you. Not to point your finger at you, not to condemn you, not to hurt you, but to say, man, I, you know what? I love you. I love you so much that I sent my son to die for you. You see, and that's a father. A father will always pursue his kid. And, and, and yet a father love is not, is not just defined by pursuit. And this is where it gets interesting. If you have your Bibles or you just sit here and you can watch the slides. You see, a father's love, a love that God has for you and I is, is more pronounced, more complex, more rich than just sitting there going, I'm going to fix everything. I want to make everything work out for you because I love you. And I'm going to take away all your pain and all your worries. And I'm going to remove from you all your choices. And sometimes when we find ourselves in situations that we're like, man, how did I end up here? And, and if we're honest, we, we acknowledge the fact that we end up here because of our own choices. We look to God and like, God, why don't you just fix this? Why did you let me do this? Anybody been there? Man, I've been there so many times I've lost count. God, why didn't you, why didn't you stop me before I made this choice? And yet God's love not only pursues God's love allows us and it, God's love is filled with risk. It says to illustrate the point, Jesus point further, Jesus told them a story and he said there was a man with two sons and the younger of them said to his father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me and he divided a property between them. What happens in verse 11 and verse 12 is unheard of in ancient culture. 
You see, we sometimes read sections of Scripture by our own experience, and yet the experience that the Father in this section of this story endured because of the love that He had for His Son was filled with risk. Basically, the younger boy goes, Hey, I'm not going to wait till you die. Give me my cut now. And we might go, in today's world, it's like, yeah, the guy, the little kid's a punk jerk, but yeah, give him a share. But back then, man, it risked everything. It risked the father's reputation. In a patriarchal society, the father had ultimate authority. And for a son to come and say, Dad, I wish you were dead, but since you're not dead, give me my share now. The father had all the rights in the world to just beat him and stone him, put him to death. He's done. And yet the father risks everything. He's like, okay. You see, a father will risk his reputation for his child. And we know this intuitively. If you're a parent and have ever had a kid melt down, and this is a really easy, simple illustration. You ever push your kid, he's like two or three or 15, and he just melts down in public, or she. Walk down Kmart, watch the moms escape, like just, or, 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 or not Target, really. You know, just where you at? You're at Target. Why are you at Target? Just because it's quiet here. Up and down the aisles. And every once in a while, there will be a kid that just melts. And a non-parent will be like, get a grip on that kid. <laughs> A good parent will take the child out and use it and say, hey, I'm going to talk. I remember every Saturday I would take my two sons to breakfast at like 7 in the morning, and we'd go sit in Perkins. And I have awesome sons, but they were boys. <laughs> and so every Saturday we would sit in a restaurant, and just me and the two boys, and once a month, one of them would decide to remind me that they're a child and I'm the father. And they would just, they would do things of like, if I just killed you now, maybe we could start over. <laughs> and yet to see a father, a parent, will risk their reputation. The reputation is not as important as a child. I remember being on a red-eye flight out of Vegas, we were returning from a wedding, and we had over, not overnighted, but we had a layover in Las Vegas. And Las Vegas, with a with a child of, I think it was six months old, and two very young parents, is just not the place to be. And I remember getting on an airplane, and this kid was over traveling, and we still had to fly into LAX. And so he started kind of crying when we were waiting, and he started crying when we were taxiing, and he tore it up when the light went off and everybody was to be able to stand up. And the airplane was filled with drunk Vegasites. They had either been partying all night or hit the bar before they got on the airplane. They were either hung over or they were lit, and they were going, man, if I was my kid, I'd just beat him. And I'm like 24 at the time. I didn't know what to do other than to just hold him. And you're you have a tension to go, well, maybe they're right. Maybe these drunk idiots know more about my son than I do. And yet, 
even as a stupid young parent, you realize that your love will risk everything for that boy. And there's no greater example of that than God standing up and saying, I love you so much, I'm going to give you my son. Risk everything for him. But it's not so just a risk. You see, a scandalous love not only pursues and risks, scandalous love lets go. It says, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property on reckless living. And when he was, had spent everything, a severe famine arose the country and he began to be in need. And he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed in the pods. The pigs ate, no one gave him anything. I think this is the hardest part of a father's love. The hardest part of a father's love is not pursuing, it's not protecting, it's not risking. The hardest part of a father's love is open-handed saying, I know you're going to go live your life. And God does that to each one of us. Right, no matter what we have done, or no matter what we want to do, this story tells us that a father who is in deeply love his son will let his son go to discover what the father already knows. I'm going to give you all this money. You're going to go party like a rock star. All your friends that love you with your rich are going to abandon you when you're poor. The very people that cash your check will not offer you anything. And though I want to stop you from being the idiot that you want to be, I'm going to let you run for a little bit. Man, that's tough. And we know that. If you have teenagers, or if you, you so there's that, I, I be honest with you, I love young parents because young parents are like, oh my God, they're so hard when they're like six months, they're not sleeping at night and they're just, they never shut up and they don't tell you what they need. They just cry and they eat and they poop and then they cry and they eat and they never sleep and... Oh, I don't know what to do. And, I'm, and, and there's a part of me that goes, God bless you, wait till they're teens. <laughs> you will long for the time that the biggest problem of life is a dirty diaper. You will be like, remember the good old days when we just had to feed them and change them, put them in their crib where they couldn't escape? And God, oh, Jesus, turn back the clock. But the minute you give a key, the minute you let go, the minute you hope that what you taught them and modeled them that will carry them through stupid, that's tough, man. But you see, God loves each of us so much to give us freedom of choice. Even when he knows that the choices that we want to make are choices that are going to leave a mark on us. And yet so great and so boundless and so scandalous is his love that he will risk us getting mad at him for our own choices. You see, because you never fully make a choice unless you're free. 
and we can sit and we can talk about how God should protect and how God should keep and how God should remove. But the fact is, is that God loves us enough to discover things that he has embedded in our hearts so that when we turn back, we realize what a gift he is to us. It says, not many days, it says in verse 17, but when he came to himself, and I have been there, I've had sons that have been there, my dad probably watched his sons and are there. When he came to himself, when the light turned on, it says, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called the son. Treat me as one of your servants. In verse 20, and he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. You see, notorious love, scandalous love, not only pursues and not only risks and not only lets go, scandalous love forgives. Forgives. Oh, that some of you would hear that this morning. No matter where you find yourself, no matter what you've done, no matter how much you think. And look at that verse. Father, I have sinned against you, I sinned against heaven and before you. No longer I am worthy to be called a son, and yet scandalous love says that's not even a phrase I will acknowledge. You notice that the father doesn't debate him. Well, you're right, boy. The father doesn't go and say, hey, where's my money? You really burned through that in a couple months or a year? The father doesn't go, you're right. You have sinned against me. And now where is your being able to make up? It says the father, when he was a long way off, saw him. You see, the dad never forgets. No matter how far afield a son or a daughter goes, God never forgets where you're at. Hasn't lost sight of you. Doesn't pull you off the plate. Doesn't wait till you fix up. Doesn't wait till you get all showered and cleaned up and change the clothes. Doesn't wait to get the stink off of the world off of you so he can embrace you. While he was yet a long way off, the father saw him, had compassion on him, brought him close, and kissed him. It says the son was in with pigs. They stink. Horrible smelling. And yet no matter where the, the, the dad was at the time, the dad was always looking. And because he was always looking, when his stinky, smelly, regret-filled son came to him, said he had compassion on him, hugged him, and kissed him. And, and, and the dad goes on and says, my son who was dead, who I thought was dead, is now alive. And one verse goes, let the party begin. Oh, what a picture. And parents, whether you're moms or dads, you understand that. 
no matter how far off your kids go, if and when they come back, by, by the grace of God, they come back. It's not about keeping score, proving that you're right. It is the embrace of a parent that is scandalous because though they've hurt you, though they've wronged you, though they've taken advantage of you, because a parent is going to love. This morning, God doesn't care what pen you've been in because His love is scandalous. His love is notorious. God doesn't, mad, doesn't care outside of the consequences that you have endured, what you have in, in, encountered, or what choices that you've made. What He cares about is that you come back. You see, God's love forgives. And in its forgiving, it brings life back to where there was death. Oh, my son, who I thought was dead, is alive again. That's a father's love. That's a love worth following. That's a love worth embracing. That's a love worth accepting. A father's love pursues and it risks all. A father's love releases. A father's love forgives. And in that love, it brings life into relationship. I'd be remiss if there's anyone here this morning that yearns for that but feels disqualified. That as a brother or a sister in Christ, or as a future brother and sister in Christ, no matter what you've done, my dad's going to love you. No matter what you've done, no matter how far afield you've drifted, my father looks for your return. My pops, my dad, my old man, the guy that I know, my father, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Not the technical, formal word, but that's like dad, daddy, pops. Man, that's, there's an intimacy to there that he yearns for. Why? Because his love is notorious on this world. Let the world shake its head at the injustice of God's love because it makes no sense to society. I'm happy with that. Why? Because when I was a far field, He stood and waited for me. And when I was still a long way off, He opened His gate and ran and embraced me. And when I thought I was dead, He looked at me and says, you're not dead, boy. You're alive. And because you're alive, we're going to party. Why? Because my love is so rich and so full for you. So before we get all worried about whether we got to clean up and shave and shower and put some lotion on to carry the stink, let's just come back to dad. And in the midst of coming back to dad, we discover a father in heaven that embraces each one of us in a way that's unique and speaks to our needs. So why don't we pray? Father, I thank you so much for these men and women. I thank you for their love for you. And, and God, I would pray that even now that your Holy Spirit, as you stir in our hearts the truth, that your love knows no bounds. 
that just like you hung with the wrong kind of people, your love is indeed scandalous. It's like the song says, it's reckless. That you not only pursue us, but you have risked your very reputation on associating with the likes of us. Oh, God. We're just given a moment of, of privacy for some people. I think there's a couple here that need to know this and need to hear this. And, and, and here's the kicker. You see, God's love isn't determinate on your belief. It's not contingent on a belief system. God's love is. And so if you're out there and you find yourself in a field of pigs and you're like, God ain't never going to let me come back. I want you to understand that the door's open. That the gate's there. That there's no secret password to back into relationship with God. And, and if that's you, if you yearn to know this love of a father has towards his son. For those of you that have accepted Christ at one time in your life and drifted far afield and you just want to come home, I want you to look at me. If you're looking at me now, okay, amen. Amen, thanks, bud. Father, you see the men and women that have looked, and I pray, God, by your Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to them that they are cherished sons and daughters of you. That, God, that they would experience this week a peace that comes from knowing and experiencing your love, a love that transcends ideas and ideology, a love that is experienced. I pray, Lord, that you would be so real to them that they would feel your embrace, that they would feel your kiss on their cheek, that they would know that they are loved and that they are accepted and that they are forgiven by the scandalous love that you offer all of humanity. Father, I bind the lies of the enemy that seek to destroy and minimize the place that you have in your heart for all of us. I pray, God, by your, the blood of Jesus that, that you would give them power over the things that drew them away and that you would give them strength to accept and embrace that love that comes only from you. I thank you that you're our dad. I thank you that no matter what we face in our biological realities, that you are a dad in heaven that is consistent and that is loving and that is kind, and that is generous, and that is proud. Lord, I pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Father's Day. Go take somebody out for a pot roast, or tacos, or nachos, whatever. God bless you guys. You're dismissed.